I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to QueenBot. We're on a mission to bring you a companion piece to the entire Queen back catalogue. And incredibly, the band are very kindly letting us play all their music, which makes us the only podcast on earth with Queen playing all the way through it. However, we do need your support. So if you are in a position to do that, then kindly head over to patreon.com forward slash queenpod to find out how to sign up and see all the amazing exclusives you'll get, including early access to every pod, extra bits, and behind-the-scenes goodies you won't find anywhere else. Over to you, Fred. And welcome to the Queen Pod, a podcast all about the incredible rock group Queen. Yeah! My name is Simon Lupton, and joining me is a man who loves Queen more than Mr. Bad Guy likes to go chasing rainbows in the sky. It's Rohan Acharya. Dum, 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 It's me! It's your theme tune. Walking down the street. I did panic slightly and wondered if, in modern language, chasing rainbows means something dodgy, but... I googled it and no one came and knocked on the door to take me away, so apparently not. It does still mean what it meant when Freddie wrote what it. What did you think it might have meant? I, I thought it was something to do with drugs. It's <laughs> <laughs> so old. <laughs> Actually, it probably is. I, I, I can't keep up, so it might have been, but um, that's not what it meant, I don't think, when Freddie was using it. Um, no, and it still doesn't. No, we're good. <laughs> so that's that's cleared that one up. You were wrong to think uh, it was about drugs. Everything's about drugs. <laughs> <laughs> or something, you know, debauched. Yes. Have you ever chased a rainbow? Well, that's a very good question. I definitely have memories as a child of desperately trying to find the base of a rainbow. Right. Discovering, I suppose, in the same way that uh, later generations discovered they were never going to get a letter from Hogwarts. Yeah. I discovered ultimately that there is no base of a rainbow, let alone a leprechaun and a pot of gold. No. So thanks for bringing that tragedy up in my life. No, well, but also, I mean, chasing rainbows is supposed to be chasing something that's unattainable. Oh, yes. So, uh, wealth. Yes. Happiness. <laughs> <laughs> 
As always, we are being assisted by Mr. Producer Sam. Hi, Sam. Hello. I'm very happy to be in the shiny new studio at oh, yeah. Soho where we're recording. Yeah, the new got... deck to play with and nice. do the producing stuff on. Now, some of the more observant amongst you might have spotted a little clue in the introduction as to what we're going to be discussing today. Let's turn it on. That's the badger. Um, we're discussing a solo project, none other than Freddie Mercury's first studio album outside the Queen, Mr. Bad Guy. Mm. But first, let's see. If Queen are the champions. We are the champions. We are the champions. This is the part where we get to share a moment where Queen either intentionally or unexpectedly crept into our lives. Um, Rose? Okay. Has uh, that happened to you this week? Do you know what? I feel like Queen enters my life most weeks. Oh, that's handy. And this, this week... <laughs> It did, actually, in a really interesting way, but I'll have to just set the scene. Oh, could you? So you know how we've been talking about Flash Gordon for the last couple of weeks? Mm. So one of the things I pointed out to Sam after all that chat is that Mark Wahlberg made a movie with Seth McFarlane McFarlane as a small living teddy bear called Ted. Right. Have you seen Ted? I haven't, but I'm aware of its work. You should see Ted. Right. Because it's full of Flash Gordon. No. It's packed with Flash Gordon. So I decided to show Sam the movie, uh, which he hadn't seen, and it's got so much Flash in it, uh, in that uh, the the setup for the middle section of the film is Mark Wahlberg's girlfriend has asked him to do a thing, and he's promised that he's not going to screw it up. Mm -hmm. And then Ted calls him from a party and says, Sam Jones is at this party. Flash Gordon himself is at this party. So Mark Wahlberg agrees that he's going to nip out of this fancy event he's in with his girlfriend. Ten minutes, flat, and yeah. back. No, yeah. no harm done. No what harm could done. possibly go wrong? Cue football fight as he escalates. Like he just zips his way across the city oh. in a car. Foot, do, 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 like the full football fight. Like I didn't do it then. But, you know, the football yeah. sort of fight music taking him there. They get to Sam Jones, and there's this amazing sequence where, like, Sam Jones is just walking across the room in slow motion, but with his flash outfit on. And then there's a little, they play, you know, the, the theme from Flash and you hear Freddie sing, he's just a man. And you see the two of them on a rocket cycle, Mark Wahlberg and Flash, older wow. Sam Jones on the rocket cycle. They do shots, that's Sam Jones's first contribution to the let's do shots. So they raise their shot glasses and Sam Jones goes, death to Ming, and they down the shots. Brilliant. It's amazing. And then uh, Sam Jones takes them all off to do coke. So, Ooh, it's a very different movie. It is, it is actually. When he comes out, when Sam Jones comes out of the room where they've been doing coke, it's got white powder all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> He's been chasing rainbows, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, that's drugs for you. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. Sam Jones goes absolutely blistered. Do they end up having a fight and all kinds yeah, of stuff? Yeah, Sam Jones, I think, punches through a wall yeah. into. <laughs> Wow. their neighbour's apartment yeah. who then comes round and get and it's a slight it's a racially tinged tinged joke because sure. the guy who comes round is uh, East Asian and right. Sam Jones thinks he's Ming <laughs> oh, but he's on rainbows don't forget yeah that's what happens people when you chase the rainbow you don't do rainbows baby no. Well, I don't feel I need to see it now. That's brilliant. You've given me a full... Of course you need to see it. But that's great. It's, honestly, it's a mega amount. Of, like, there's so much love for Queen in that film. 
Oh. It's gorgeous. It's drenched in it. Because, yeah, that's the film that the two of them watched endlessly as kids. Brilliant. The, uh, you know, Flash Mark Gordon, Wahlberg yeah. and, and, and Ted, which is very close to home. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that's my Queen moment of the week. That's a great one. So All enjoy watching Ted on the weekend, guys. Yes. <laughs> Heartily recommended. We'll crack on then, shall we? And we'll get ourselves stuck into Mr. Bad Guy. So, released in 1985 during a period in which Queen were on hiatus from recording, uh, it contains 11 songs. It's a full album. All written by Mr. Mercury himself. Proper album. Um, It was recorded at Musicland Studios in Munich uh, with Mac. Um, and the album was supposed to feature three tracks uh, recorded with Michael Jackson, which um, were recorded but never finished, although, as we know, they were eventually mixed and released much later on. But they were supposed to be on this album. For many years, Freddie had been courted by a number of industry people, um, you know, encouraging him to ditch Queen and go solo, which was something he had staunchly refused to do. So when he came to start work on Mr. Bad Guy, particularly as it was at a time where, despite being the biggest band on the planet, there were a lot of rumours and suggestions that Queen were past their best and would probably be splitting up. Many saw this as the beginning of the end. However, Freddie always maintained this was a side project that would enable him to explore musical ideas that wouldn't have suited Queen, and he had absolutely no intention of leaving the band. It did cause a little bit of friction, as Jim Beach was able to negotiate an advance from CBS that was much bigger than anything Queen had previously received. So that didn't go down well. That was portrayed well in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, actually. actually, absolutely. Um, But Freddie stated that if his solo album was a huge hit, that all that would do would be inspire them all to work much harder to make sure the next Queen album was an even bigger hit. That was his rationale for it. Uh, as it turned out, Mr. Bad Guy was not a commercial success, and of course, Queen rocked on to even greater heights. But overall, Freddie found the whole process very challenging and not entirely satisfying. But it didn't stop him creating some songs that most musicians only dream of managing, mm. which we are about to explore. But mm. before we do that, I'm interested to know, Ro, how you would describe your relationship with Mr. Bad Guy. Well, I find him very attractive. Well, who wouldn't? I mean, it's the sunglasses on the cover, isn't it? Can I just pick up very quickly on that Michael Jackson bit? Yes, please do. So, I believe that Freddie and Michael recorded three tracks. Yes. Uh, one of which is There Must Be More To Life Than This, which... Uh, he's, was on Mr. On... he's on Mr. Bad Guy, but with Freddie only. Yes. And then went on Queen Forever. Queen Forever, exactly. Yes. There must be more to life than this. There was State of Shock. Yes, that's the one. And Victory. Those yes. are the other two songs which I think Michael released. Uh, one of them was with a different singer who yeah. was, I believe, Mick Jagger. Oh, okay. I could be wrong about that, but it's someone of that ilk. Right. It would have been a Mick or an Elton or a David. Yes. Right. But I think, I'm pretty sure it was Mick. Those songs are available to listen to. Variously. Variously. But as far as I know, Victory and State of Shock, the recordings with Freddie and Michael, 
are the two they haven't been able to because I think Queen eventually for Queen Forever they got the rights to there must be more to life than this from the yeah. estate but I don't think they were able to negotiate a oh, victory yeah. in Slip Shop because I remember Roger saying at the time that the it was I just think, a nightmare yeah it was a nightmare it was really yeah. difficult uh, it, I do remember Freddie being really quite upset that um, State of Shock uh, wasn't finished because it was going to be on the Thriller album and he said just imagine how much money I would have made <laughs> if that song had been on that album <laughs> which I love I love Freddie's attitude I know. to money it's just sort of but he's know. so open and frank about, and also it's all about making money you know like, there's a business to it he's really no so he could have that. fun absolutely but yeah. yeah and he's right I mean that album is you know on, on the scale, it would have filmed many shopping trips. To it Japan, would have been it, absolutely, <laughs> which would have made the uh, the auction of all of Freddie's stuff all the more exciting. Because it would have been twice as much. So stuff. for me, I think that's the way that Michael Jackson really let everyone down. Yes, that's his biggest crime. But how would you describe your relationship with Mr. Bad Guy? Is the question I want answered here and now. Mr. Bad Guy not being Michael Jackson, to be absolutely, absolutely clear, because clear. the lawyers have told us to make that clear. Absolutely. Um, I discovered it, you know, it's interesting, the solo albums. I think I'd gotten some way into Queen mm-hmm. and my collections, but it was all at that era. And it's that thing where you're sort of rummaging through all of the, you know, in a record shop, you, you know, yeah. you've got everything lined up by alphabetically. And then every now and then you'll go, well, I've, I've looked through the queue. I've, I think I've done as much of the queue as I can get, or as much as I can afford. Yeah. And then suddenly you hear, oh, actually, Roger did a solo thing, so you better look through the R's yeah. and the T's. Yeah. So then I started looking through the F's and the M's, and would you believe no there's way. an album called Mr. Bad Guy with Freddie looking cool as all hell with his mirrored mm. shades on, yeah. pilot shades on. Great cover. Looking directly at me. Is it a great cover, though? It was designed by the Artful Dodger, and it's a lovely image of Freddie. Yeah. But it didn't feel like it had a huge amount of production value to it for me. No. It's a photo of Freddie. It's a great photo of Freddie. Beautiful photo of Freddie. Yeah, very well, that's of the time. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and so I did. I discovered it, and I really, really wanted to like it. Uh, and I think at the time I did very mm. much particularly I remember liking Mr. Bad Guy. Yes. Because I think the thing is, early Queen, Freddie was writing a lot of heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And as Queen went on, Freddie was writing more Queen-type. Yeah. What you think of as Queen-type yep. songs, things yep. like Play the Game and It's a Hard Life and stuff like that. Less Ogre Battle. Mm. <laughs> you know I mean? uh, the other thing was I discovered it in summer. Yes. I, that I distinctly remember. It was, uh, yeah, so it would have been around 89, 90 that I discovered, oh no, a bit earlier, probably about 89, 88 that I discovered the uh, uh, album itself. Mm. And I was listening to it over summer, and it's such a summery album. It is, that's very true. Right, it's it designed. Very upbeat. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, driving yeah. with a top down, yeah. you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it is quite of its time. It mm. really reminds me of that sort of, Pink Cadillac era of music. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? It's also surprisingly upbeat. Mm. So it isn't as ballady as I feared. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's way more poppy. Yeah. Yeah. Than maybe I'd hoped for. Yeah. Um, but it has got an edge on it, uh, and it had it very much had its place. There was a particular period of like a couple of months where 
I was like, no, this is this is really good. And I mm. remember turning around to my school band and going, oh, check this out. And all yeah. that. we gave it a proper listen. But I think ultimately there are some elements around that album that over the years have mitigated it somewhat. So I don't find it pr- problematic in any way, right? It's not controversial or anything. However, I don't know how to what degree this was true, but, you know, certainly there's some historic, historical record, including the movie, that it suggests that perhaps at that time, in the wake of Hot Space, Queen were kind of looking at breaking up or at least discussing breaking up. Mm-hmm. And that perhaps Freddie was looking to move on with a solo career with this big advance that come in and all the rest of it. So I think on some level there was a little bit of a, not, not two fingers up at Queen from Freddie, but a, a, a look to step up, step mm. away and move on and establish himself as a big star, which didn't set, sit that well with me mm. as a story back then. Yeah. Um, I understand it now. And what I love about that story, of course, is over the course of this two-year period stuck in music land with Mac making this thing which I think is quite a dark period of his life mm. you know he worked so hard on it mm. and you like it got to number six in the album charts but the the singles didn't do that well and I think it I don't know if it necessarily ju- justified that huge advance that you were talking about yeah compared no, to say what I, I think does. CBS certainly don't think it right. did <laughs> so it wasn't the success that I think he was hoping it would be, and it did force him to have that real, like, that epiphany that he had. Where he said, "You know what? We're more than the sum of our parts." Mm. And actually, getting to do the album exactly because he did all of it. He wrote it. He orchestrated it. He did all the inst- most of the instrument, not all of them, but a lot of the instruments and a lot of mm. the uh, all of the singing. A huge amount of work. Produced it with Mac and all of that. He missed the band. Mm. He missed the influence of the band of of yeah. of. of, of of, of the process a song goes through when four people are pulling at it. Yes. He did say that he found working with session musicians difficult because right. he'd say, this is what I want, and they'd just go, okay, yeah, and do it. Yeah, And he's used to Brian going, well, no, actually, why don't we try like this? And Roger yeah. going, oh, why don't we do this? Yeah. You know, so, and, and the same from John. So he found it, strangely, he, he quite liked the fact that you just could tell everyone what to do and they just did it. But I don't think creatively it's what, brought the best out of him. Mac said something interesting about that. It was something like, it's not a direct quote, but it was something along the lines of, you know, going into that album, I think he was maybe looking forward to putting some music together where Brian wasn't there going, I think there should be more rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Where there won't be that fight. And then he came out of that process going, I really miss Brian telling me it should be more rock and roll. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, uh, it is an interesting period in Queen's history, without a doubt. And I don't know, and I don't suppose we'll ever know, if they ever really thought about splitting up. Mm. But I think they were conscious that you know nothing was going to be forever. Mm. At some point, it would end. Mm. Um, they just didn't know when. I think they were looking for some kind of creative re-energising, yes. you know, which we now know came from Live Aid, you know, yes. and, yeah. and made them think, oh, hang on a minute, A Kind of Magic and Miracle and Innuendo are very different albums because they found that spark again, mm, mm. Um, which perhaps, even though The Works is a great album, I'm looking forward to talking about it, you felt like they had slipped into a kind of a, a routine almost. Right. I think you're right. I think Mr. Bad Guy was just Freddie going, I want to make pop songs 
and I'm not going to have anyone telling me how I don't how I do it. Yes. And so he had that freedom and yeah. he enjoyed it, but yeah. I don't think he was thrilled with the results. Yes. I think he the loves the songs. Success, and I think Mr. Bad Guy is a great example of that because when you listen to it as a song, it is it is utterly brilliant. It's construction and the ideas of it. Mm. I think the production lets it down. It Interesting. If it was an orchestra playing that, how much better would it have been? Or if it had been Brian's guitars creating that orchestra, sure, sure. how much better would, would it have been? And But, you know, the song itself is great. Well, in fact, two of the songs on the album... Uh, Maiden Heaven and I Was Born to Love You uh, get the Queen, Queen treatment. songs yeah. on Maiden Heaven and actually you, you, you can I mean we'll get to it when we get to those tracks because I wanted to really get into that but you can really tell the difference that the, what what a difference Queen makes yes yeah once they start inputting yeah well let's have a little listen to a bit of Mr. Bad Guy particularly those sort of perhaps the opening bits with the strings because they are great well, straight straight to the opening of Side B Oh, yeah. You're like a mad god. No, you're right. We could we do should... it in any order, yeah, no, Simon. Let's, let's do embrace it. it. We're, we're talking about Mr. Bagger. We're just, we're not going I love yeah. it. Yeah, I'm shaking things up. No one's expecting it. Uh, there's some really interesting things, I think, to hear, to listen out for. I've taken the first minute of the song for us to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, obviously, he's using Jaws as a theme, which is something that he's referred to uh, just a few years earlier in 78 on jazz. With yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he mentions Spread Your Wings, and he's got ah. President of the USA in there, which is President of America. From, yeah. You know, there's you that. It says Mr. Mercury, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there's yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I think Mr. Mercury's not... Weirdly, I always think it's Mr. Bad Guy, but it's actually Living on My Own where he says Mr. Mercury. I think. Am I right? No, I think it's uh, Mr. Mercury, come and sp- spread your wings and fly away with me, isn't it? You're 100% correct, Thank Simon. You well done much. for passing, passing my little test. Well, you tried to catch me out, but I wasn't falling for it. <laughs> but the point I'm making is, I, th- I think you can really hear the opening strains of Barcelona in this very track. Like, yes. Yeah. Can, yes. Yeah. I agree. Is Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Let's go chasing rainbows in the sky. Don't do drugs, kids. My invitation. Let's all take a trip on my ecstasy. I'm Mr. Bad Guy. Yes, I'm Oh, there it is. Spread <laughs> Yeah? It's a great tune. Isn't it is. It? It's a it great is. Tune. It's a legit, legit uh, single. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I think it is. I think it's genuinely. I think it's sort of one of the strongest tracks. I certainly. That thing that you were talking about, first impressions. Mm. Uh, I think the first time I heard it, sort of Mr. Bad Guy was the one that yes. popped for me out of all of the tracks because at that point, you know, living on my own had become living on my own. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. the, made in heaven wasn't made in heaven yet. And yeah. Well, you know, I was born to love you. They they were not those tracks yet. No. And I think Mr. Bad Guy was my favorite favorite track on the album. 
interestingly, it is one where you think, actually, if Queen had done this track, mm. how much more would it have been? Yes. How much more would Freddie's wit have been supported? Yes. Lyrically. How much bigger would have that that Jaws theme Yes, been, that's the thing. You know? It's the production side of it yeah. that sort of lets it down a little. Yeah, it's... I mean, look, the... the the band was really impressive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they no, used... I'm, not, I'm not saying it's badly done. Not but at all. It, it doesn't feel as epic yes, as yes. a Queen track does. Yes, you're right. And how it would have been, as you say, if the other three had been, had been you know, feeding in. What did you think of the track, Mr. Bad Guy? The song, Mr. When Bad you Guy. first heard it, yeah. Yeah, as like I say, it was the one that stood out for me because it felt big. Yeah. It felt unusual. It didn't feel like just another pop song. Yeah. That, you know, loads of bands at that time were, were churning out. Yeah. It felt like there's something creative going in here. Yeah. And it's really imaginative and yeah, uh, yeah like you, I love the way he weaves little references yes in there. Yeah. Um so they're yeah. fun for the fa- the Queen fan to spot and if you're not a Queen fan and you're just listening to it, it doesn't matter. You, yeah. It's a lovely it's a lovely set of lyrics. I mean, you would have obviously bought this album on release because you're so old yeah um wait hang on so your first album was actually a kind of magic yes and i didn't buy so this, this was pre pre so how far into your i kind of did you discover the album i, I quite early because I, I did go on a bit of a mad voracious journey through everything and you know when you've done all the studio queen studio albums it's like what else is there yes. i need something else yeah absolutely um so i did go to mr bad guy quite quickly yeah i like it a lot because you're hearing freddie and his vocals are Amazing, but yeah, I think deep down it didn't it didn't feel as good as a Queen album because it doesn't have Brian, Roger, and John on it. Yes, (laughs) I think that's right. How could it be? Yeah. Um, But I think as an as an expression of where Freddie was at that time. Now looking back on it, I think it's really interesting as a whole. The album and so many of the songs are about love, and we know now, you know how complicated his, his personal life was and that search for love was something that we saw in Queen songs but is much clearer here because as Brian has said about his solo albums you and Roger, you can be much more autobiographical and voice your own opinions and feelings on your own because you're not representing the band, you're representing yourself. And yes. I think as we'll go through these, there are some songs here that are really quite painful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, not downbeat. But there's a there's a lot going on on there. Well, you're right because you know on Roger's solo albums he gets a lot more political yes. than we would do on a Queen album. And Queen Brian's never got really political. Yeah. Solo work. He often talks. He often sings about um, well divorce and depression and loss yeah. and those kinds of things. Yeah. And Freddie very much sings about loneliness. And and some of those songs come through Queen. You're right. It's yes, of course. Somebody to love, etc. Et et yeah. They do. But this album, you're right. I had not thought of that. That it is. Yeah, it's fully embracing. Yeah, mm. it's fully embracing that theme. Just to talk about the band a little bit, I think what's interesting is because what I like about all the guys when they do solo tracks, it's not like they ban the other members of no, Queen from no. it, which is genius. They do ask them to turn up. Yeah, um, you know, like Roger turned up in the Great Pretender video and stuff yeah. like that. We'll yeah. talk about Great Pretender in a minute. I always wondered why that wasn't included on Mr. Bad Guy. Because um, it came after it, didn't it? I think it was did it? Was it just later, another about two project? Years later. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, God, that yeah. makes sense. So time. Yeah. Basically, the linear nature of time. Yes, that <laughs> would see. be the reason why I this see. album came out before he did it. Oh, yeah. 
There's some names here I'm not so familiar with. Joseph Burt on the bass, uh, Kurt Cress on the acoustic drums. These are the session musicians. Brian mm. did come in and do some electric guitar on some of it. Paul Vincent did a lot of electric guitar on it. And Stephen, uh, Stefan Wisnet as well did some bass and synthesizers and drum programming and whatnot. Mm. Freddie did acoustic piano, analog and digital synthesizers and electric guitars. But interestingly, it was Fred Mandel who did acoustic piano, analog and digital synthesizers and electric guitars. And Fred Mandel is a name known Mm. to the most profound of Queen members because he was the precursor to Spike the Duke Edney. Indeed. So Fred Mandel played as their first additional, as the band's first additional keyboard player, I think. No, I think Morgan Fisher. Morgan Fisher first. First, but then Fred. uh, And Fred Mandel was the first synthesizer player to contribute to an album. Ah, was he the guy who did it, the, uh, all of the stuff I in the want, works? I want to break free. Yeah, and, and stuff. Radio Gaga and all that kind That's of stuff. stuff. We hear a lot of those sounds yeah, yeah. on this album, which yes. is really interesting. Yeah. One of the things that he said uh, of Freddie, he goes, "Off stage, Freddie was a pretty quiet guy, but he was an incredible musician." And I'm just thinking, could you imagine being a session musician? Walking, just for your day job, you'd be booked in the studio, and there's Freddie Mercury. <laughs> All right, let's do a song, guys. Let's do that. I want you to do that in the key of A, and you're going to play that, and then we're going to do half rhythms here. <laughs> you go, yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you say, you're the boss. It's not just that they're not pushing back; they're like, bloody hell, how are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah, think, what in front of you? <laughs> yeah. Should we pick another track? Oh, you, yeah. Go on, you pick one. Pick a track you'd like to listen to and talk about. Okay. Pick anyone. Okay. I'm just going to go to... I tell you what, let's um, let's take one of the better-known songs. Mm. Um, should we... Again, we're sticking side B, about halfway through side B at this point. Yeah. Um, let's look at Living On My Own. Okay. Yeah, interesting. This is the original version of Living On My Own. This is the opening minute of it mm-hmm. uh, that appears on the Mr. Bad Guy album. Yes. Version. 
I know, it's great. You can really hear that bass line of dum 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 yeah. dum dum and you can hear those beautiful guitars coming through. There's it, I really like the orchestration. In hearing this freshly again recently mm, mm. preparing for the pod, it's been a while since I put on Mr. Bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I was Pleased to discover I was familiar with all of the tracks. Yes. But it surprised me because, of course, it's not the version of Living on My Own that I know. That This version was released as a single at the time, and I only got to, I think, number 50 in the UK. It didn't charts. do very well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, a couple of years after Freddie died, poor Freddie, uh, in 93, mm. a, a remix by the No More Brothers was released, and that did go to number one. I know, it was his most successful so it was huge, yeah. and it became a big club hit as well, which yeah. I would have loved, right? There's a lovely little disco vibe going on under the whole of the Mr. Bad Guy album that I think bridges nicely from Hot Space to the works, in a way. Yeah. Each of these songs are so well-constructed. This song is a well-constructed song, yeah, the way yeah. that Freddie originally envisaged it. But I thought it'd be interesting to listen to the first minute of the version um, we all know and, and see think the difference. Spot the difference. Yeah. Good thinking. Sometimes I feel I'm gonna break down and cry Nowhere to go, nothing to do with my time I get lonely So lonely Living on my own Right? This is the one we know. Okay, it's a very 90s-ification. Yeah. Which version do you prefer? I think I do prefer the remix right? version. Because, I don't know, somehow it's even more upbeat than the original. <laughs> but I'm just to say, as you know, on the Queen Pod, we love a Hollywood remix. Hollywood, that's how you remix. Yes. <laughs> that's how you do it right there. It is possible. <laughs> <laughs> Take a note, Hollywood. I know, but it's sort of—it's quite funny, isn't it? Because we often sit here and go, "Oh, you know, what did Freddie mean in the lyrics? He never said where it's open to interpret." Bohemian Rhapsody. What's it all about? You know what "Living on My Own" is yes. all about from yes. the very first line. It's, true. it's heartbreakingly sad. Yeah. Yet somehow, so universal as well. You're in a club, jumping up and down to that song, and that's something we've seen with Queen. They can um, take very sad you know, mournful themes yeah. and present it in a way, like Don't Try Suicide, for example. Yeah, yeah, it's a in, really good example. In yeah. a way that you yeah. can, you, you don't feel bad listening to it. You don't yes. feel awful. You need help. Look at yourself, you need help. And so I, I think, I don't know, maybe because it does, the production value on the remix feels higher and it's, it, it's and more it was a huge fun. Hit. And it was a huge hit. So we could be proud of it. But I still think there's lots to be said about the original. And you're right, going back to it now, 
there's you know the, there is a lot in there. I slightly prefer the original. And that's his version. Exactly. After all, that's what he wanted. Exactly. Well, weirdly, because it because of the clubification of it at the time, oh, that's a good I was word. a bit I was a bit uh, resistant yes. to that version of the song at the time and the fact that it had gone to number one at the time. Yeah. I think at the time I was like, but he should have released Mr. Bad Guy. Mr. Bad Guy's a better track. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I have that yeah. attitude. But what you said about people in a club being able to dance to this, which is exactly what Freddie would have loved. Mm. It's yeah. Sort of, he was, re- you know, he loved clubbing and he was interested in producing music for clubs. That theme, that whole thing of feeling alone, like it really taps into an aspect of, of, of what a clubber might feel. Yes. Yeah. Right. People go clubbing for various reasons. They might go in groups or whatever, but you're up there. Ultimately, you're dancing on your own. <laughs> and uh, well done, Robin. Sorry, know <laughs> that song. Um, but um, there is something under it. There is something that you can kind of rally behind when you're dan- on the dance floor, dancing to something mm. that's talking about that level of loneliness and isolation. Yeah. There is something to root for there, and I think it gives you that little bit of bounce and urge to it. I have to say that I prefer the Julian Raymond mix, which is on Messenger of the Gods. Right. It's closer to yeah. Freddie's original. Yeah, it's but, a good, um, good one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's even more clubby. So he got remixed twice, and both of them are brilliant. It can be done. Yeah, it's the same opening as Freddie's version. And what struck me when I checked it yesterday was because I was like, is that the version that I really know? Mm. And I think this is the version that made it into my playlist, ah. is my suspicion. Ah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's a little bit more, I don't know, pressure. <laughs> Yeah. Just a bit more playful. I don't know. That all three of those versions are really, really good. Really and, good. And, and yeah. Good, yeah? yeah. And it's also got a great video of the song. That's it. Yeah. Have you not seen it? It's at Freddie's birthday party, the black and white birthday party in Munich, where um, everyone had to to come dressed up in black and white, and yeah. um, it looks yes, it's utterly debauched. But yeah, he did completely. sort of sing the song. Yeah, so they recorded some bits of him singing the song, but then the rest of it they just filmed the party. I think they had cameras sort of mounted wow. on the ceilings and everything, and just roaming around. And uh, yeah, it's such a good. F- yeah, so it's the party that matches the song. Yes, I wonder if if you release that song now, I reckon it'd do just as well again because yes. you know that kind of loneliness and yeah. you know so, uh, being totally okay thing. to be on your own is is sort of more prevalent now than it was. Yeah. Yeah, on yeah, either yeah. of the previous occasions. You know, I, what's interesting about the all the tracks on this album is exactly what you were saying, is you notice how strong John's bass lines are. Yes. Right? You notice the distinctiveness of Brian's guitar sound. And you notice the melodies and complexities that Roger's bringing to percussion. Yes. Right? Where everything is the same in terms you know you know everyone looks as freddy at freddy as queen you know yeah. those that know know no, it's all four, four of them yeah. and most people know that but by listening to by looking at the mr bad guy album listening to those tracks you can genuinely make a 
a comparison, I think. And yes. Yeah, you know, I'm listening to the bass line on a track like this, but I'm not following it in the same way that I might for an entire track. No. Like John Deacon were playing on it. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that sort of taps back into what we've talked about when we've talked about Brian's solo stuff and Roger's solo stuff is they are very, those solo projects are very them. Yes. And you go, this is a very good example of what they bring to Queen. And yes. this is a good example of what Freddie brings to Queen, but it's when you put that into the melting pot with all the other bits. Exactly. That's when it goes to another exactly. level. But this is still bloody marvellous. Well, do you think it's worth having a look at the two tracks that Queen, were Queen Yes. Upon? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Made in Heaven is the first one. Isn't the second track on side A? Well, do you know what? I picked out the first minute of this as well, because I just think mm. the first minute of a track is actually quite a useful... Yeah comparison point and so you... much easier to queue up and just play in <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay yeah no okay. but yeah oh, I, let's go with your one it's like one o'clock in the morning and I'm like, oh, just, play just the first, first minute, minute it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but I, I genuinely with Made in Heaven when you think of that track you hear Brian go bam bam yeah right yeah and, and Roger the dum dum yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah right. cue the track Yes. It's a piano-driven track. It's a piano-driven track. And the one thing I'd say about this album is if you want to get some Freddie Mercury playing some piano, yeah, here is a good place to find it. Yeah. And there is a delight in hearing his piano playing. And it feels... That element always feels a little closer to 70s Queen for me than 80s Queen yeah, as well, yeah. where he had a lot more piano-driven tracks and a lot more piano playing. Also, the album was going to be called Made in Heaven. Yes, Yes, it was. You're not and he wrong. changed his he changed his mind like a few weeks before the album was released, and he he said basically I was lost for a title, but as far as I'm concerned, album titles are immaterial. I didn't know what to call it, but I had what I thought was a very beautiful track called Made in Heaven, which seemed to conjure up an image of some kind. But to be honest, I'm not really worried about it. It's what you listen to that matters, not what the title is, right? Which I think also applies to Queen Pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd go with that. I think they are very similar in many ways. I've had to do so much explaining. It's not yeah. about the royal family. Yeah. It's not a rainbow thing. It's, yeah. it's about the banquet. Yeah, yeah. whenever anyone asks you, oh, what do you do? Well, I do a podcast called Queen Pod, the band, not the yeah. woman. Not, not, not Her Majesty. Yeah, yeah. God yeah. rest her soul. Yeah. No. Are we going to do the same? Are we going to hear a little bit of... I think it's a good idea. The, queen, the queenified version that appeared on that, well, Made in Heaven. Can you cue that up? 
So there you can hear John's bass walking the line down. How does that work? How do you have a confidence as a band to take one of your members' songs Mm. that you did as a solo piece and then as a band come together on it and go, well, this is how we'd have done it? Well, I I wonder if, and I don't know the answer to this, uh, I am purely speculating, whether Freddie ever presented it to the band as a possible Offered it to Queen them. song. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it, it didn't get picked up or taken any further. So he thought, well, I'll do it my way on my solo album. Mm. So maybe there was a sense of, we were we could have done this. But I just think the space they were in when they did the Made in Heaven album, it was it was a love letter to Freddie, isn't it? Of, you know, and I think it, it gave them license to do really? whatever yeah. they wanted. And they did such a great job. Just listening to that again now, I yeah. just think, how good would that have been live? Oh. Can you imagine? You know, you're in the middle of a concert, the lights go down, and the sudden you get that da dum, bam. You know exactly. Yeah. It would have, and Freddie then came out and belted that. Oh out. my god, that would have oh, been I've got so good. Just thinking about that. Yeah, it's the fact that when was Made in Heaven released? What ninety? 95, something like that. 95? 95. 95. Okay, 95. Let's so say 95. Just around 10, 12 years yeah. after the Mr. Bad Guy album. Yeah. And, and, and how much context had changed for everyone yeah. that was into this music. Yeah. So they took that song and they built the whole album around it. Yes. It's a very pure thing to do, to take something that Freddie had created before he was really aware of all of the you know the next sort of 10 years of his yeah. life and what it was going to be and used it to inform the result of that 10 years yes. and I thought that you know and, and, and we've talked about this before but Brian considers Made in Heaven his favourite album mm. which was such a personal experience for him such a huge experience such a massive labour of love Yeah, they treated that song with every element of care and it's also sort of the last one of the last pieces of work the three of them did together yes I mean obviously there's no one but you but I know what you mean that album was yeah. a real real achievement so yeah I think Made in Heaven's a, a powerful thing and it's really nice to hear it's it's roots here yeah without it being a demo version so we should do that also with I Was Born to Love You because that's the other track that has oh yeah begins here but then ends up on Made in Heaven you get well, much right? more piano and bass on this version yeah and you get all these lovely sparkly synths that you don't get on the on, on the Queen There he is again with the drugs. If we listen to the Made in Heaven version, it's a driving 
club hit version, but with rock under it. It's rock. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely the Queen version of that song. <laughs> Brian Roger and John it's on it. It's just driving. Yeah, it's got that kind of driven by you feel to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drive to it. No. Also, I really like this song. Oh, it's an amazing song. It's I, a yeah. really, really. I love really Adam good Lambert's version on the yes. Live Around the World album. Yes, That's good shout. Really good. Yeah. I <laughs> very quickly watch about this album in general I've not listened to this album ever okay. I the only song I would have been able to tell you was on it was Mr. Bad Guy because of the name of the song right. yeah. but I have heard just under half of these songs at elsewhere elsewhere like Mr. Bad Guy in the Bo Rat movie mm. I Was Born to Love You Made in Heaven you know I've heard most Living on My Own I have yeah. heard it like yeah. half yeah. this album yeah. <laughs> without yeah. ever listening to yeah. it yeah. and this is that you know, the failed Freddie Mercury solo project. Right, right? but yeah. it isn't. It's not. It no. isn't. It's clearly... Its impact is massive. Yeah, That's insane. Because, and we've said this again before, where, where when it comes to these four people, if you want to objectively say this is second-tier work for them, Mm. That's still better than most people's first deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, <laughs> like I said earlier, you know, a lot of musicians would kill to have yeah. come up with any of these songs. Look, we've looked at the songs that are the most famous ones. Yes. Let's look at a couple of the deeper cuts. I think there are two that are really interesting. Fooling Around mm. and My Love is Dangerous. Those are the two that I'm going to pick out. Okay. Um, but I'm going to shout out for Let's Turn It On because the bass line is a bit like The End of the Miracle where the bass uh, goes yeah. on the miracle yeah. with uh, these lovely synths over the top so you can hear these clues to later tracks that are yeah. happening so yeah. I love that
let's listen to a bit of fooling around because you know I was talking about that kind of uh, Pointer Sisters Jump for My Love era uh, okay. sound, yeah. that pink Cadillac sound. I think you hear it here. Yeah. You just keep fooling around with me. Keep on fooling around with me. Yeah. Right? really familiar yeah it does you can turn on any man you want you masquerade you have a catch of the season every night and day you 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 don't have any time for me you just keep fooling around yes you do that to me that sound like that's a really commercial yeah hit song yeah and freddie was definitely very commercial he knew how to do a pop song a pop song and you know we know that and we'll talk about that in other queen songs later you know particularly with a kind of magic yeah you know he he knows how to make a song a yeah. pop song yeah um so that doesn't surprise me at all that he'd do something like that. but you're right it feels weirdly familiar yeah really it familiar. isn't a rip off of anything it's just well, Taps I think there were songs like, like here that were coming yeah, yeah, out that yeah. time. And, but yeah, he is an unusual songwriter. Like very often, objectively, you take any song by these four guys and go, actually, that's kind of a weird song. Yeah. <laughs> but when they sound commercial, they do sound commercial. And this is very much a great example of that. So yeah, I loved that. That keyboard sound, everything. I think that's brilliant. I'm just going to touch base on your kind of lover, which is sort of like it starts like melancholy blues then gets really jaunty yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're my kind of lover want a little bit of feeling add a little bit of meaning to my life I want a little bit of feeling a little bit of sunshine to my album is like that yeah like, it is a surprisingly i keep going into each song going oh well this is going to be a bit of a yeah enough track you know like you'll get a, a hit song by a band and then you buy their album and find out oh no all of the rest of what robin thick put on the album is rubbish <laughs> yeah <laughs> you don't get that with freddie no no right um man-made paradise has that sort of abba feel of lay all your love on me and then a nice little ugly nice. kid joe yeah. riff on the chorus yeah. you don't know. Worth checking out these tracks. Yeah. The album ends on uh, Love Me Like There's No Tomorrow. Which 
is, is a lovely It is a lovely track. song. It really reminded me of I Guess We're Falling Out, yeah. which is one of the new Miracle yeah, tracks. Yeah, definitely. If you've never heard it before, you have to go and listen to it. And there's a lovely video you can is see it? on YouTube that's made, that was made not long ago. And it's a beautiful story about a couple and AIDS. And it's, you know, it's heartbreaking to oh, watch. Oh, wow. But um, it's a great, a great song. I love that. But it I think is. you're right. It has that sort of Queen anthemic Yes, ballady anthemic feel that they do. They don't really do ballads. Do no, they? no. And we've talked about how Freddie here is talking about you know difficult subjects, but doing it in a jaunty way. This is much more of a ballad, you know, and is beautiful for it. Exactly. So I guess I wanted to talk about My Love is Dangerous. Yes. Because as you know, there's only two genres of music that Simon Lupton likes. One is Queen. Yes. And the other is Reggae. And there is no Reggae in Queen. It's the only genre that they never really picked no. up on. But Roger went full tilt with yep. it on, uh, certainly on Fun in Space, which yep. we talked about. Check these rhythms out, please. I didn't do the accent, so it's not racist. My love is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Love is dangerous. My two favourite things. Make everybody cry. Everybody cry. Everybody cry. Love is dangerous. Don't waste your time with loving. Love don't work for me. Don't try to show your feelings. Step carefully. There's that dub reggae line. Yeah. Which, I mean, reggae is your favourite thing. After Queen. So now we've got yeah. Queen reggae happening. It's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I think that could now be my favourite ever Queen-related track. Right. Ever. Really? Yeah. That's at number one for you I now. think it is now. It's above somebody to love and yeah. above stealing. <laughs> oh. I was more of a hang on in there kind cool. of guy. <laughs> we do, but, but we do have a question uh, oh, yeah. from oh, yeah. oh. Ed from Ed from Ed Philistowicz. Sorry, I probably absolutely butchered that name, Ed. But Ed, uh, hi. hi Ed Philistine, how are you? <laughs> uh, Ed said, growing up in the seventies, I also listened to Bob Marley. Great lyrics and music. I wonder whether Queen considered writing, performing any reggae. Are there any recordings? And well. Ta-da! Ed. Ed, we've preemptively, preemptively answered your question. Absolutely. No, it's it's a thing of great joy. A summer album. Yes. Right? It's all summer sounds. Yeah. I, honestly, I know we've already talked an hour about it so much, but 
this is one of the things when you're trying to cover a whole album and there's so much good stuff. I know. There. I've got two things I'd like to Please. say about this album that has occurred to me during the recording of this pod. Mm. One of them is I wonder if this was always destined to struggle commercially. Because when you look at Brian's solo stuff and Roger's solo stuff, particularly with Brian's, you kind of expect him to do a guitar-heavy album. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He does songs. He sings on it. Mm-hmm. He gives you proper songs. Again, with Roger, it's not a massive drum extravaganza. Mm-hmm. It's proper songs, mm-hmm. all beautifully constructed. You know, they surprise you, those, mm-hmm. those solo albums, mm-hmm. because they're not what you expect. And they're different to Queen. And they're different to Queen. Whereas with Freddie, it had to be brilliant. And he was a perfectionist, yeah. Because he's he's a singer and that's yeah. what you expect you expect him to write songs and do songs so these songs had to be better than the ones that he was doing with queen and as elton john said when he performed at the beja ballet yes. he said i realized that melina because that's what he called yeah. freddie had the best backing band in the world <laughs> so what freddie's done is made an album without the best backing band yeah. in the world so it can't be as good that's such a good that's that literally has occurred logic. to me over this, this round. And the other thing is, is what I love about Freddie, one of the many things we love about Freddie, is that after this album, mm. as you said, perhaps trying to demonstrate his ability as a solo artist, mm. this one doesn't go so well. So mm. what does he do? An opera album. Yes. <laughs> Again, well, he does. no one should do that, but Freddie does. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He, he, he returns to Queen... Yes. And I think the works benefit... I, I think the works was recorded after this, right? Uh, Had to have been. Uh, mm, because mm. those tracks were in place for Live Aid. So yeah, the works was released in, what, 84? 84. 84, and this was released in 83, 84. so... No, this was 85. Oh, was it? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Well, 84 for the works, but 84 is what informed Live yes. Aid, which is what they did yes. in 85, right? So I guess that's how it works. So they released the works... Then Mr. Bad Guy comes out. Yes. Doesn't do as well as the works. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And then they all appear on Live Aid together and Freddie goes, actually, can we just do this, please? Yeah. <laughs> but he also does The Great Pretender. Yes. So he does a cover of a classic rock and roll sort of yep. song that is massive and involves Roger and I think Brian may play on it a bit or John. I and think. John's but in the video. Some, oh, yeah. No, Roger's so dressed well, up sorry. as a girl in the video. That's yes. for sure. Because yes. I'll always remember whenever Roger dresses up as a girl. It, it's it's extremely Joy, effective. It, it is. It and is. <laughs> so he does that and you're right, he does this completely mad experimental album with Montserrat Caballé, um, yeah. opera album. Everyone thought he was nuts. And yet, over the years, everyone's turned around and started to massively respect that piece of work. Absolutely. Can't wait. So we didn't want to do Barcelona just yet because we really want Suze with us for that. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? We yeah, have yeah, to yeah. do that we with Suze. So hopefully, she's busy doing her yeah. Doctor Who spin-off stuff of Doom. Check that out. Oh, Very excited, but it means we don't get any access to her at the moment. Hopefully <laughs> soon. Okay, well, look, we have talked extensively about this album. Um, and I think it gets a thumbs up from us overall. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Loads yeah. of So if you have never listened to it, Definitely, definitely do. I don't know where I'd place it on the ranking of solo albums. Well, maybe that's know. a pod to come. Once yeah. we've done all the solo yeah. albums, why don't yeah. we do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. What would be your guys' Queen to the Queen from <laughs> the album? You don't have to do side by side, but just from the album. Oh, that's a tough question. That's a tough Please. question. Let me have a little look at the tracks. Give me one second. I made it happen. 
I mean in the end. I, I tell you what it was was going back to the album. I was not expecting to enjoy the less known songs as much as I did. Mm-hmm. I think they're all way better. And I still remembered them, yeah. which means I did listen to this album to death as a kid, which I'm proud of. So, yes, however, in the end, Mr. Bad Guy, the track, is the one that I think of every time I think of a Freddie Mercury yes. song, let yeah. alone the fact that Barcelona exists. Yes. But, but yeah, Mr. Bad Guy for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 Made in Heaven and I Was Born to Love You are both such great tracks and it's been lovely re-listening to the original versions yeah. because the Queen ones have become so sort of embedded Indelible, in my... yeah. and I, I I do like both those so I, I'd be tempted to choose one of those but I think it might be because they're being slightly tainted by my love for the, yes, <laughs> the for Queen the versions film. as well sure. so I, I agree if going back to just this album like you Mr. Bad Guy really popped yeah. for me the first time I listened to it I loved the orchestration yeah. I would love to hear that with an orchestra yeah. playing it um, and Freddie's voice um, but even so even though it's done on synths I think it's brilliant so I think unanimously we'd put Mr. Bad Guy in the Queen de la Queen doing yeah. Thing. yeah 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 There we go. That's Mr. Bad Guy. Um, I think we just quickly squeeze in a game if we've got time. Play the game, play the game, play the game. Yes, we do have time for a quick little game. We've got a really fun question this week from Mr. Wapodjif. That is how he signed off his email. Mr. Wapodjif. Mr. Wapodjif. That is the only name I have. It's a cool um, name. It's a cool brilliant. Name. And very fitting for his question. Yeah. Which is, what do you think the most fabulous thing <laughs> Freddie Mercury ever did was? Fabulous, is it all caps? Oh, so many to choose from. Oh, I mean, there's the ballet. <laughs> do you know what? That's the first one. I think dance with the Royal Ballet because no one else would even attempt that. And the th- amazing thing about that is that was at 90, what, 1979. So Queen wow. are huge. Right. Absolutely huge right. at that point. Yeah. That's that's a big risk to put yourself out there and do that. And shave your moustache for it. Or was exactly. that later? That was for, that was, was for I want to break free. That's what I But just to put yourself out and do that <laughs> is You have yeah. to like ballet a lot. I know, but it's just that's so Freddie, isn't it? You know, he someone would say, and you're worried what people would think. And he'd be like, nope, don't care what people think. I'm going to do it. And the, it's genius. The number one most fabulous thing that I always think of as Freddie was it was the first time I saw uh, live at Wembley. Mm. And it's the end of that gig when he walks out with a crown and a genuinely heavy, (laughs) majestic cloak. Yeah. And the look on his face is, that's right, you are seeing this, I am doing it, you are right. Yes. And he knew it was funny, Yeah. but he also knew that he was magnificent, dare yeah. I say fabulous. In capital letters. And the way he lifts that crown off his head and he does that. Ba- yeah. Can that be topped? No. 
Well, yeah, probably by him somewhere else. I mean, there are so many fabulous yes. things, but that is a that is definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah. The sheer audacity of it is so... And he just gets away with it. He's I'm <laughs> wearing the, the unitards, you yeah, know. tighty white shorts. Those tight white shorts, I mean... And and I would I would also throw in the whole Barcelona album. That is utterly sure, fabulous. An and again, thing to do. no one else would and has yeah. done anything like that. No. Outrageous and fabulous are words that can legitimately apply yes. to Freddie Mercury and yes. will do forever. He should be in the English dictionary next to both of those words. Yes. Just Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Or or that under Mercury there's a new entry for the meaning of Mercury, obviously there's the uh, being quicker mind, yeah. There's the thermometer stuff. There's all that business with yeah. <laughs> the metal, yeah. All of that dull stuff. There's that planet thing, y- yeah. There's a planet, yeah. And then it just says fabulous and outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we could get to be Mercury to become a thing? You're so Mercury. You're so Mercury. Yeah, you're a Mer- you're a Mercury. I think we could now. Yes, I think I think he's so massive in culture still yeah more so in a weird way like he keeps getting mentioned in everything and all the artists now that grew up listening to him are very open about that yeah in a recent episode of ted lasso there is a lovely little conversation about him about uh, freddie yeah <gasps> comes up in an amazing oh, way oh, 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 oh. it's a really funny joke that just leads to a really lovely combo right. and catching yeah. up with oh, that well i'm a couple worth of episodes checking behind. out <laughs> Oh, well, that was an utter joy. Lovely. Thank you, Freddie, for Mr. Bad Guy. Um, Really worth it. Well, yeah, (laughs) just for being Mercury. Um, You're so Mercury. You're so Mercury. Oh, Ro, thanks so much for taking me through that. Um, Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And, yeah, it's one to check out if you've not listened to it before. Thank you, Sam, as always. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production, edited and produced by me, Sam Easton. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, check out our Patreon for exclusive treats like early access to every episode, and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.